You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network. And we do pray, Father, that you would continue to bless our nation, our country, America. Father, we have such a godly heritage in our country, and there are those, God, especially in light of recent events, who would love to turn that around. Father, we know, according to the Scripture, that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But, Father, we would just pray with what time we have that you would empower us to be obedient to you and to make a difference while we still can. Father, may you not only bless America, our nation, but may you bless each one of us spiritually today as we are impacted by your truth, by your word. Father, I pray that each one of us would be changed from which we came today. May it truly be a celebration in our hearts with you. Lord, we give this time to you and pray, please, bear much fruit with it. We ask this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I've noticed that most people in our society today, it's going to become a big shocker, you ready? Most people in our society today have become self-centered. Shocker, wasn't it? That's right. And because of the self-centeredness, I've noticed most people walk around today with this poor me syndrome. Have you seen them out there? They act as if their problems are the biggest and the worst of all, when in reality... What they're really doing is drawing attention to themselves, trying to draw attention to themselves. So the problem is, here's what this has created, a big problem. How do you really know, how do you really know if you're having a truly bad day or you're just one of those trying to draw attention to yourself? Huh? Do you see the dilemma? How do you know? Hey, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. And I found out the answer. You know how? That's right. I came across the list of some signs to indicate you're having a truly bad day. If any one of these things are happening to you, you don't need to question yourself. You're headed for a bad day. Here's the indicator number one. Your secretary tells you the FBI is on line one, the DA is on line two, and CDS is on line three. You're not following the poor me syndrome. You're headed for a bad day. Or here's an indicator here. Your suggestion box starts ticking. Yes, that's not a good sign. You're going to have a bad day. Here's one. Hey, the plumber floats by on your kitchen table. <laughs> It's a bad day coming down the road. Here we go. Number four. Here's one. Hey, the simple instructions and clothes aren't. Unless, of course, you could read Chinese, Vietnamese, and French at the same time. But uh, here's a bad day indicator. You wake up to discover your waterbed has sprung a leak, and then you realize you don't have a waterbed. <laughs> That's a bad day, is it not? Man, I tell you. Hey, here's one. Here's a sign. You wake up face down on the pavement. <laughs> That's a rough morning, isn't it? That's right. Has that happened to you? Okay. Hey, next one. Hey, here's a bad day. Your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. I've got it figured out. Just add a little bit of mortar with that flour. I don't care how old you get. That baby's going to stand. Hey, here's a couple more here. Hey, people send your wife sympathy cards on your anniversary. <laughs> okay, Keith, I saw that. Like, hey, next one. Number nine. Your wife says, good morning, Bill, but your name is George. <laughs> I hate it when that happens, man, I tell you. <laughs> but you know what, probably the biggest sign to indicate you're headed for a bad day. It's got to be this one. You're driving on the freeway when your car horn not only accidentally goes off, but it remains stuck behind a group of hell's angels. <laughs> man, I tell you, that's going to hurt, I tell you. As you guys can see, that's true. You don't have to question. If your horn got stuck behind a group of hell's angels, you're going to have a bad day, aren't you? A big time. But you know what? Believe it or not, did you guys know that there's an even worse day than that? Believe it or not, I'm telling you. You see, here it is. The ultimate sign that you're headed for the worst day of your life. Might know something like this. You ready? You wake up one morning and you realize your family has disappeared. You run, you turn on your TV set to see what's happening, and there you see a special worldwide news report declaring that millions of people overnight have disappeared from the planet. And then you spy the Bible on the coffee table over there, and it suddenly dawns on you that your family was right after all. When they kept talking about that rapture of the church thing, and then to your horror, you realize that you've been left behind. And you're being catapulted into the seven-year tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. Now, folks, would that not be the ultimate bad day? But you know what? Many people are headed for that day. And folks, the tribulation, just in case you don't know, hey, it is not a party. The Bible's clear. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that it would be a time of greater horror than anything the world has ever seen or will ever see again. In fact, he also said there that unless this time of calamity was shortened, that the entire human race would be destroyed. 
people, God is not only a God of wrath. Hello, he will have a last word with the evil of society. But God is also a God of love. He's also a God of love. And because he loves you and I, he has given us many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation might be near and when his second coming is soon approaching. Therefore, to keep you and I from experiencing that ultimate bad day of being left behind, we're going to begin a new series called The Final Countdown. Are you ready? I'm excited. We're going to begin the countdown. We're going to look at ten signs given by God to lovingly wake us up so as we can get serious in our walk with Him or give our lives to Him before it's too late. Let's get started. The number ten sign on the final countdown. If you want to know if you're in the last days, it's the Jewish people. The number ten sign on the final countdown is the Jewish people. One of the first and most important prophetic events on God's end time calendar, people, is concerning the Jewish people. If you want to know if the time is getting clear, keep your eyes on Israel, because God's got a plan for them and He's not done yet. In minute detail, the Lord prophesied specific events that would happen to Israel, giving you and I a clear indication that when you see these things, that we're headed for the last days. So just one of these specific prophecies concerning the Jewish people? I'm glad you asked, Pete. You're still on the ball today. The first end-time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would return to the land. How do you know if we're headed for the end time? This is it. Isaiah 43, verse 5 to 6 says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west and from the north and the south. I will bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. From the distant corners of the earth. Ever since, historically, from the destruction of the Jewish temple in 70 AD, the Jewish people have been scattered all over the earth. But during the past century alone, in our lifetime, what have we witnessed? Millions of Jews have returned to Israel, just like the Bible said. In fact, the Bible also said, specifically, pay attention there, specifically, they would come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. It didn't say north, south, east, west. It said from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And here's how it happened historically, people. Exactly like God said. First from the East, in the early 1900s, many Jews living in the Middle East went back to Israel. Then from the West, during the mid-1900s, hundreds of thousands of Jewish people from the West, United States and Europe, began moving back to Israel. Then from the North, during the 1980s, Russia finally began to allow hundreds of thousands of Jews to return to Israel. And guess what? From the South. In our own lifetime, Israel struck a deal with Ethiopia's communistic government, and on the weekend of May 25, 1991, 14,500 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted to Israel. And people pay attention to the news every single year, more and more Jewish people are returning back to the land. First from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Exactly as the Bible prophesied. The second end-time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would become a nation again. Not just return to the land, but become a nation again. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 through 12. In that day, the Lord will bring back a remnant of His people for a second time, returning them to the land of Israel from Assyria, Lower Egypt, Upper Egypt, Ethiopia, Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations for Israel to rally around. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. God is going to raise a flag for Israel. Since 721 B.C., approximately 14 different peoples, 14 different peoples have possessed the land of Israel. Yet, as the Bible said, the nation of Israel one day would be reborn. One day, they would regain their independence. And can anyone guess what happened on May 14, 1948? Good time. What happened? You guys are on the ball today. You've been reading my notes. After waiting centuries upon centuries, people, the people who were no people, the people who were scattered all over the world, not only returned to the land, they became a nation again. A nation. From out of nowhere, and against all odds, people, Israel was reborn. And in fact, in 1967, it was a great year, Israel was born. I like that year. Hey, and you too. And in 1967, they even recaptured the city of Jerusalem exactly what the Bible prophesied about. The third entire prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would be brought forth in one day. Not only, and talk about specifics from God, not only return to the land, not only become a nation, but to be done so in one literal day. Isaiah 66, 8 says, Who has ever seen or heard anything as strange as this? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? 
Every country ever come forth in a mere moment, but by the time Jerusalem and birth pains begin, the baby will be born, the nation will come forth. On the morning of May 14, 1948, at precisely March, your watches, 4 p.m., 4 p.m., the members of the People's Council of the United Nations signed the proclamation and this declaration was made. You can read it for yourself. The state of Israel is established. This meeting is ended. Israel people not only came back to the land, they not only became a nation, but they were literally brought forth as a nation in one single day. Exactly as the Bible prophesied. The fourth end time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would be a united nation again. Very important point when you understand the history of Israel. Ezekiel 37, 21, 22 says, And give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. I will unify them into one nation in the land. One king will rule them all. No longer will they be divided into two nations. They are no longer going to be two nations. How long has that been going on? Since 926 B.C., the Jewish people, since that point, were a divided nation. Remember in the Old Testament? You have the northern ten tribes, Israel, and you have the southern two tribes, Judah. And from that point, they were a divided nation. The people, when the Jews regained their independence in 1948, for the first time in 2,900 years, just a little bit of time there, for the first time in 2,900 years, Israel not only became a nation, they were united as a single nation. No longer divided. Exactly like God said. The fifth end time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel's currency would be the shekel. Let's say shekel. Ready? Hey, you guys are Hebrew scholars. This is what the Bible said. Ezekiel 45, verse 12, 13, and 16. The standard unit of weight will be the silver what? Shekel. This is the task you must give to the prince. All the people of Israel must join the prince in bringing their offerings. The Bible predicted that the future temple sacrifices, that's the time frame there, in the future, the temple sacrifices, that the people of Israel would be paying their taxes in the shekel. But the problem is, Israel's currency, when they were founded, wasn't the shekel, it was the pound. Problem there. Until June of 1980, when it was changed to guess what? The shekel. And guess what's even used today? Exactly like the Bible said, the shekel. The sixth end-time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would blossom as a rose in the desert. Get this one. This one is incredible. Isaiah 35, verse 1 through 2 says, Even the wilderness will rejoice in those days. The desert will blossom with flowers. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel's pastures and the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. Blossom with flowers in the desert. Mark Twain, when he visited Israel in the 1860s, guess what he said? He reported in writing that Israel was a barren wasteland with no trees. Why? Because of 2,000 years of foreign conquerors, they literally abused the land, they stripped it, and they left it as a barren wasteland. But when the Jewish people began to return to the land, they began to build a network of irrigation systems. Why? And because God said it was going to happen. And people, guess what? Today, there are over 400 million trees in Israel. And because they have planted so many trees over the last century, this has increased the rainfall by 450%. Maybe we should plant some trees, huh? That's right, big time. In fact, Israel, the former desert people, is now the breadbasket for the Mideast. And Israel, the former desert, is now exporting fruit all over the world. In fact, specifically so, Israel diverted the water from the Sea of Galilee and they channeled it through sections of the deserts, which have allowed the deserts today to literally begin to blossom with an abundance of flowers. In fact, I even hear so that they, Israel, the former desert, is now sending roses back to Holland. Abundance of flowers the deserts would produce in the end days, just like the Bible said. The seventh end time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would have a powerful military in the end days. You want to pick a fight with somebody? Don't do it with Israel. Because God is on their side. Zechariah 12.6 says, On that day I will make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among cheese. That's not a good thing, by the way. Uh, they will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. Will remain intact in her place. 
You study history, if you just look at current events, people, outnumbered and against all odds, Israeli forces have astounded the world time and time again with their astounding victories over the past six wars that they've had since their inception. For instance, within hours of Israel's Declaration of Independence in 1948, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, and Lebanon all invaded Israel. And the combined populations of those countries was about 20 million people. You know how much Israel had about that time? Less than a million. Not very good odds, 20 to 1. But guess what? When all was said and done, the Jewish people not only won the war, hello, they expanded the size of Israel by 50%. That doesn't happen by chance. I think God is on their side. Today, people read the fact Israel is the third or fourth most powerful military force in the world with full nuclear capabilities. Hands down, they are the most powerful force in the region exactly like God said would happen in the end days. The eighth end-time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is that Israel would be a center of conflict for the whole world. Little bitty Israel, who are they? But God says, you pay attention because they're going to be a center of conflict for the whole world in the end days. Zechariah 12, verses 2 through 3. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. They're going to injure themselves. In 1948, when the Jewish people became a nation, the very next day, the nations around them declared war. And people, look at the news. Has the fighting ever stopped since then? No. And it won't ever stop until the Prince of Peace comes, Jesus Christ. But the false peace with the Antichrist, but they're going to soon wake up. And then also, so it's not enough that they're just fighting there with their neighbors. It's why it's a conflict to the whole world. But because Israel, of all places, that oil would happen to be discovered, it happens to be in that area. Interesting. And because they are in the heart of the oil reserves, they make Israel a great strategic significance to the whole world. And then if that wasn't enough to make it a hot spot, to make matters worse, the world's three largest religions have headquarters where? Why Israel? Why not China? Why not the United States? In little bitty Israel, making it a complete world conflict. This is why you can daily turn on the news and daily read the newspapers of how Israel has indeed become an international problem, have they not? Exactly what God said would happen. The ninth and final end time prophecy concerning the Jewish people is this time here. One day, folks, Jews, the Jewish people, are going to rebuild their temple. They will. Here's what uh, Revelation 11:2 says. Leave out the court which is the outside of the what? Temple. And do not measure it. For it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Here in this passage in the book of Revelation, the uh, time frame that's happening here is the Jewish temple in existence during the time of tribulation, which is not yet, correct? Yeah, I think we know if <laughs> it was. But uh, and can you guess, I know it's going to be a hard one, you guys ready? Can you guess just who it is that is preparing to build a new temple right now? Hey, you guys are in my notes again. But here's the problem. This is the problem, people. The Muslim Dome of the Rock, you know, the golden cap thing there, is sitting right where many believe the previous temple was, and thus the new temple needs to be. That's the problem. This is why, people, there is so much strife in Jerusalem today. It's not just a land issue. It's an issue over the holy site, the temple. And they're not telling you all that. But strife or not, the Bible is clear. The end time, a temple will be rebuilt. In fact, many scholars believe that it will occur, the rebuilding of the temple will occur as a result of making a peace treaty with the Antichrist himself. Daniel 9.27 says, speaking of the Antichrist and the Jewish people, says he will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. Seven year treaty. And he says, but after half this time, three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Some feel that it is only the Antichrist with his false miracles and fabulous charisma, who will be the only one to convince Israel to give up more land, to concede more things, and the carrot that he's going to use, some would surmise, would be permission to rebuild the temple. That's what many people are seeing. And people, here's the important point, though. You need to understand that the Jewish people, they're not looking a hundred years down the road. They're not looking two, three, four, five hundred years down the road to rebuild this temple. People, the blueprints for the temple are ready today. 
Right now as we speak, in fact, there's a group in Israel, check it out yourself, the Temple Mount faithful, they're training right now priests to serve in the new temple. In fact, they have reconstructed most of the clothing and vessels and articles according to the Mosaic law that are needed to be performed for worship in the new temple. Here's a couple of them you can check out yourself. These are the actual artifacts today. Here is a replica completely handmade harp and lyre that has been rebuilt and many other ones used for the temple worship. Here is a solid silver shovel. How many would like to have that? Can't get that at Home Depot, can you? I don't think you have enough <laughs> limit on that credit card. But the silver shovel, exactly the way Moses says, for the scooping of the ashes. And then, of course, here are some silver trumpets to announce that have been rebuilt uh, for that time. And we have some uh, other ones here. Here you can see a golden flask. No, that's not just a cheap old gold. That's all gold. A golden flask for pouring out libations. Here's a golden incense pot. Here is a gold and silver covered ram's horns. And this is the all, that's right, all golden altered incense. And that's not the little replica. That's about yay high of gold. Do you think they're investing some money into this? Do you think they're a little bit serious? Absolutely. One more here. Here we go is the actual high priest bells that are worn for the high priest's garment at the very end of his garment. He walks around with the bells. Uh, and those are already been done. Here is the golden candlestick or menorah. Here is the actual handmade woven priest garment and other garments that they're making exactly to the Mosaic Law here. And believe it or not, these are the actual sitting in the glass containers, sacrificial knives, all ready to go, fill the offerings, just waiting for the new temple. Right now. As you guys can see, almost everything is ready for the new temple except for one thing. One thing. Anybody want to take a guess? It is called, ready? The red heifer. Huh? What did we, it, God is just humor. A cow comes into play, George, in the end times. It's the red heifer. Not the red chicken, folks. The red heifer. You see, the ashes, according to the book of Numbers, of a pure red heifer are needed to cleanse the temple. But there's a big problem. Ever since the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD, the pure red heifers have gone out of existence. There's no more. Until now. Did you guys know that two months ago, a red heifer was born in Israel? Here it is yourself. The cow folks that's going to change the world. The red heifer. Two months ago. One was born about 1996-97, but it turned out to have some defects. But this guy, this wasn't born ten years ago, folks. It was born this year. You think maybe God's trying to say something? Uh huh. The heifer's owner contacted the Temple Institute Friday, April 5th, 2002 of this year. Two rabbis went to inspect it and they said that they were satisfied that this could indeed be a candidate. And here's the point, people. If you and I see that they are preparing to build a temple, things are getting close, are they not? We don't know the day nor the hour. We can't be that foolish, but we can recognize something's on the scene. Maybe God's trying to say something. You see, even if you rebuild the temple, it's still no good unless you have the ashes of a pure red heifer to cleanse it. No red heifer, no holy temple, except for two months ago, possibly. Just like the Bible said. Here's the point. If we see the Jewish people are ready and poised and have the plans and the articles to rebuild the end times temple right now, which might also include of making a peace treaty with the Antichrist, which is a very prophetic event, that starts the seven-year time clock. And if we also see right now how they could very possibly have, once again in existence, a pure red heifer to cleanse the temple, then how much closer is the rapture of the church, which happens before the tribulation? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Yet even, folks, even with this amazing evidence, amazing evidence pointing to the signs of Christ's soon return, some people still refuse to heed the warning, and they're headed for certain destruction like this guy. There's two local pastors and they were fishing on the side of the road one day. And being Christians and all, they, they decided to make a sign that said this. The end is near. Turn yourself around now before it's too late. And they showed this sign to each passing car. Well, one driver, he drove by. He didn't appreciate the sign at all. So he shouted at them, Leave us alone, you religious nuts. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah, okay. So he kept on driving. Then all of a sudden, there was a big splash. And so the one pastor looks at the other one and they said, Hey, do you think we should have just put up a sign that says, The bridge is out? <laughs> Love that one. Now that guy there in the car, he didn't want to listen to the warning, did he? 
Not at all. In fact, the, he thought that the people were saying that were a bunch of wackos, didn't he? And did you know that even this attitude, the Bible prophesied then in the last days, would be commonplace? Second Peter chapter three, verses three through four says, First, I want to remind you, in the last days there will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. And this will be their argument. See if uh, this doesn't sound familiar today. Here's their argument. Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as the same as since the world has first created. Sound clear today? Exactly. Like the Bible prophesied. People of God, if you're here today and you're listening or watching this by tape, I hope, please, that you are not one of those stoppers who wake up one day and realize too late you've been left behind. And you know what? So does God. Because God loves you and I, He has given us a warning sign of the Jewish people to show us that tribulation could be near and His second coming could rapidly be approaching. Jesus said specifically in Luke 21, verse 28, when these things begin to take place, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your hands, because your redemption is drawing near. People of God, if you've got one hand in the Bible, one in the newspapers, I think you'd have to agree there's a good possibility we are headed for the final countdown. We don't know the day nor the hour, but we do know when we begin to see the signs. It could be close. People, if you haven't already done so, if you haven't already done so, please give your life to Jesus today. Because tomorrow may be too late. Just like the Bible says. Amen. Amen. Hey, one day there was an English businesswoman who explained to her doctor that she had a problem. And you know what her problem was? She had a problem breaking wind. Okay? It, don't worry, it was an English woman. And it was at board meetings, it was during interviews, it was on risk, it was on trans, it was impossible for her to control this breaking the wind. But then she told her doctor this, but at least unfortunate in two respects. She said they neither smell nor they make a noise. In fact, you'll be surprised to know that I've let you go since I've been talking to you. I told you according to humor, but anyway, well, it's just the doctor, he reached for his pad, he stole his prescription, and he handed it to her. What's this for? She asked, reading the prescription. Angel drop. Yes, replied the doctor. First, we'll fix your nose, then we'll work on your hearing. <laughs> I love that one, big time. Now, that lady had a big surprise coming, didn't she? That's right. She thought everything was okay. She had no problems, but in reality, she had some serious problems, didn't she? Somebody had to clue in on it, didn't they? Mm-hmm. That's right. But unfortunately, you know what? She's not alone. Did you guys know that many people in our society think that everything's okay? That everything's going to continue as normal? When in reality, they're actually headed for the ultimate surprise of being left behind. And they will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation that is coming one day upon the whole world. And people, in case you're wondering, the tribulation time is not a party time. It is not. The Bible is very explicit. It is a time of God's specific outpouring of His wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. Wicked and rebellious planet. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that it would be a time, the tribulation, of greater horror than anyone has ever seen or will ever see again. In fact, he also said that unless the time was shortened, the entire human race would be destroyed. But people, God is not only a God of wrath. He will have the last word on evil in our society. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he has given us many warning signs in the Bible so that we would know when the tribulation could be near and when his second coming was rapidly approaching. Therefore, to keep you and I from experiencing the ultimate big surprise of being left behind, we're going to continue in our series, The Final Countdown. Last week, we looked at the number 10 sign on The Final Countdown. You remember what it was? The Jewish people. And there we saw that God, in minute detail, specifically foretold you and I that when we see the Jewish people returning to the land, becoming a single united nation, with the currency of a shekel, blossoming as rose in the desert, and the preparing to rebuild the temple, that this would be a clear indicator that we are in the last days. And which one of those do we not see happening today? All of them. Every one of them. But that's not the only sign that God has lovingly given you and I. Lovingly given you and I. The number nine sign on the final countdown is modern technology. Modern technology. The number nine sign on the final countdown is modern technology. So this one of these specific prophecies being fulfilled today concerning modern technology, revealing we could be in the last days? I'm glad you asked. We're going to take a look. The first end-time prophecy concerning modern technology is that there will be a great increase of travel and knowledge. In the last days, a great increase of travel and knowledge. Daniel 12, 4 says, But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. 
Still with the book until the time of the end. Many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Until the time of the end, when people are going to be rushing here and there, and knowledge is going to increase. Many scholars see that passage there in Daniel as strictly referring only to people rushing here and there, if you will, trying to increase their knowledge of Bible prophecy in the last days. Which is what we see today, do we not? There's an explosion of Bible prophecy today. But then there are those scholars who see this passage strictly referring to people who are just traveling all over the earth like never before, with an explosion of information like never before. Which is also what we see today, don't we? Exactly. Therefore, I don't take the position that it's either one or the other, but actually both of them. So just what kind of modern technology has arisen on the scene to enable this prophecy to come to pass? I'm glad you guys asked. The first way that modern technology reveals that we could be in the last days is that Daniel said, what did he say there? There would be an increase of travel. Rushing here and there like never before. There would be an increase of travel. You see, when Daniel wrote the words of this prophecy, the mode of travel was basically the same for thousands of years. But in the last century alone, the last century alone, we saw a major change in transportation. For instance, the fastest that mankind could travel before the last century, for thousands of years, was about 30 miles an hour via horseback. It didn't change much. From Adam to Alexander the Great or Abraham Lincoln, transportation pretty much stayed the same. And a case in point would be, just recently at the turn of the century, in New York, did you know what the major traffic concern was? Dead horses. Dead horses. Each year there was about 15,000 horses that died from exhaustion or beatings or accidents. I don't know how you get into accidents, but anyway. Uh, but 15,000 in New York alone, that was their big traffic concern. And believe it or not, they even had their own air pollution too. You know how? That of, get this, from 1 million pounds of manure produced every day. 1 million pounds! That's a serious air pollution. Historians say, and seriously, they say that people learn very quickly in the hot summer months to keep their windows closed. That's some serious problem. But by and large, the point is the means of transportation for thousands of years was basically the horse. It stayed the same until now. What has happened, people, in the last century? We have gone from the horse to the horseless carriage or the car. We've gone from the top speed of 30 miles an hour to literally hundreds of miles an hour. And in just a few decades, we now rush here and there. An average of 14,000 miles per year with an estimated of 1 billion cars on the road by 20. 25, just like the Bible said. But people, that's only lying, rushing here and there. Thanks to the invention of the airplane, which also happened when? In the last century, the world has become a much smaller place. In fact, uh, the Wright brothers, you know how long their original flight was? 120 feet. Put that in perspective. If they flew from the back of a Boeing 747, they wouldn't have even made it to first class. Mind how things have changed. The first plane had limited seating, but hey, the Boeing 747 can carry more than 400 passengers, fly 8,300 miles without refueling. It's got 6 million parts, 171 miles of wiring, 5 miles of tubing, and it's got a tail the size of a six-story building. Today, there's an explosion of travel. And because there's so many people traveling today, the industry is now making it easier and faster to rush here and there like never before. Exactly what the Bible said would happen. For instance, we all know that you can not only order your plane tickets online, right? Anywhere at any time. But now, Alaska Airlines, they're actually allowing you to print your boarding pass from your own computer. And for those of you who are worried about your loved ones flying, Tom, hey, worry no more. Just go to www.trip.com. Trip.com, Tom, check it out there. Hey, answer the prayer right here. And uh, you can get, with graphics and all, you can get up-to-date, minute-by-minute information on any flight, anywhere. You can get their speed, you can get their altitude, and you can be indicated exactly when they land right now today. But that's not all, people, because of this new travel technology, you and I can go to the local store and get fresh crab meat from Thailand. We can have a thoroughbred horse shipped to us from the uh, New Zealand, and now we can even get fresh flowers from South America. We can have a genuine New York-style pizza delivered anywhere in the world, anywhere, and we can send a package from Japan in the afternoon and have it in Washington the next morning. When has this occurred? All in the last century. All but the time of size. That's not all we like to rush here and there, like Daniel said. You see, the airplane paved the way for what? Space travel. And now we can fly around the planet in 80 minutes. We not only went to the moon back, but where is the scientific community's eyes on now? Mars. Mars. In the last century. Does anybody feel that things are being sped up just a little bit? Somehow, Star Trek doesn't seem so Star Trek anymore, does it? 
And speaking of Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. Did you guys know that teleportation is no longer a myth? Did you know that? Let it myself. The current data is a couple years ago, scientists have successfully teleported light particles over a few miles. It's already been done. And now they're moving up to molecules with atoms as well. And who knows where else? If that hits, what's the ability to be able to travel here and there going to be like? Unheard of. It would appear that nothing is going to hold us back from being able to rush here and there, whenever, whenever we want, except for God. Yes. You see, with the sad thing, people, if you haven't noticed, with all this explosion of modern terrible technology, it has made us, as a people, very arrogant. Has it not? It has made us very overconfident, like the Edomites of long ago, who also tried to escape the boundaries of God Almighty. This is what Obadiah 3.4 says. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? Though you build high like an eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. You see, even if we can one day arrogantly boast, that we don't need God. I mean, we can rush here and there. We can even go to the edge of the stars. God will one day, like the Edomites, Bring us into a reality check. We will have the last word. When? In the last days, when we will see an increase of travel. The second way that modern technology reveals that you and I could be in the last days is an increase of information. What did Daniel say there? Not just rushing to and fro, but there will be an increase of information. And please keep in mind, when Daniel is writing this, people, when he's writing this, the basic way that we acquired and shared information was severely limited. We didn't even have the invention of the printing press until a few centuries ago. But look at us today, people. When? All in the last century alone. Just like the Bible said, are we not experiencing nothing short of an information explosion? It's going crazy. In fact, I want to share with you some information on information. Ready? Let's look at some information. It's very technological. Anyway, did you guys know that the total store of human knowledge is now doubling every eight years? Eight years. Eighty percent of all the scientists who've ever lived are alive today. Every minute, 2,000 pages are added to man's scientific knowledge. The scientific material produced in one day would take one person five years to read. About a half a million new books are published every year. And get this, since 1970, computer technology has developed so fast that if the auto industry had developed at the same rate, you would today be able to buy a Rolls Royce for $3, and you could fit eight of them on the head of a pin. Wouldn't that be neat? It's kind of hard to get into, but it's kind of a novelty. Oh, but that's not all. Did you guys know, speaking of information, a weekday edition of any major newspaper has more information than the average person living in the 17th century would have come across in their entire life? Just a weekday edition of any major paper. And thanks to the internet, we've got thousands of international papers at our fingertips. Every day, the equivalent of over 300 million pages of text is sent over the internet with millions of sites. And get this, about half of all medical knowledge is outdated every 10 years. And in some scientific fields, such as biotechnology, it's outdated in less than six months. We have an information explosion. And there are now wristwatches that wield more computing ability than some 1970s computer mainframes. And if you guys are feeling bad, don't feel bad. Ordinary cars today have more intelligence than the original lunar lander. And, did you know, the majority of the world either has a television or access to one which links us all together with this information explosion. And people speaking of the advent of worldwide television, in this century alone, we can see the fulfillment for the first time this passage of Scripture concerning the death of the two witnesses. Imagine what John's writing this. Revelation chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation, what are they going to do? They're going to gaze upon their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts. Because these two prophets have tormented those who lived on the earth. Now, people, keep in mind, about 96 A.D., when John is writing this, it must have seemed like an incredible fantasy for the whole world, the whole planet, to simultaneously watch two dead bodies, rejoice over their death, and even send each other gifts. What did they like? Science fiction. Until now. Until the last century. Due to the advent of television and global satellite technology, you and I can watch any event simultaneously Worldwide, can we not? We can see how this becomes a path in our day. And now with the internet, you and I can literally send gifts to anyone, anywhere on the planet, at any time. Exactly when? In the last century, in the last days, there would be an increase 
of information. The third and final way that modern technology reveals that you and I could be in the last days. Not just an increase of travel, not just an increase of information, but people, an increase of unrest. Unrest. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 7. Paul says this to Timothy. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, always warning, but never be able to acknowledge the truth. We would someday see a people who are always warning in the last days, but never able to acknowledge the truth. You see, people, the Bible warned us clearly. Clearly, that not only one day would we be traveling like never before, not only would we be acquiring information like crazy, but one day we would also see an increase of unrest. Why? Because we would become a people who are always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth, leaving us in a frustrated and restless state. And is that not what has happened to our society? Think about what they are trying to tell you and I. We are being told today that the more we acquire and take advantage of this new travel technology, the more time it will save us. So we have more time rushing here and there, getting even more restless. And then if that wasn't bad enough, we're being told that the more we partake of this increase of information, that the more peace it will provide in our lives. But let's look at the facts. Is this true? Have we as a society actually saved more time? Have we really created more peace in our lives because of this new technology? Absolutely not. Not at all. We have actually become a society on the brink of disaster. And this is exactly, people, what the secular experts are saying. Not just Christians anymore. The secular experts. Even though we have the most highly funded educational system in the world, we are producing the most confused, ignorant, and violent children ever, are we not? Absolutely. Rates of depression have been doubling every 10 years, and suicide is now the third most common cause of death among young adults. 15% of Americans have had a clinical anxiety disorder, and serial killers are now commonplace. But come on, how can this be with all this new technology? I'll tell you how you can be, it's because we are always learning, but we're never able to come to the truth. And I'll tell you what the truth is. The more that we fill our lives with these so-called time-saving devices, the more rush we feel. And pay attention, in fact, we are in so much of rush, some of this in South America, we are in so much of a rush that we tap our fingers while waiting for the microwave to zap our instant coffee. We ain't got time. We're too busy rushing here and there, getting this new information. And think about it, people. The truth is that these devices that are supposed to save us so much time so we can have more rest are actually making us restless. It's doing exactly the opposite it's supposed to do. In fact, one researcher shared this comment. If you don't get anything, out of the sermon, pay attention to this. This is U.S. of A. today, right? He says this, the mad, this century's mad dash of innovation has produced the most frantic human era ever. We phone, we fax, we pay, we email, we race from one end of life to the other without glancing over our shoulders. Technology, mass media, the desire to do more, do it better, do it yesterday has turned us into a world of hurriers. Stop and smell the roses? Hey, no more. Instead, we have a rule with seven-day dives, 24-hour news channels, one-hour photo, 30-minute pizza, 10-minute facial, two-minute warnings, and minute rights. That's right. Oh, but that's not all. We've got fast food, fast computers, fast cars, and fast learning, DCRs with fast board settings. We've got sound bites. We've got the rat race. We've got instant coffee. Get rich quick, live fast, die young, and we need a good-looking course. Oh, but that's not all. We've got the run on empty. We've got to just do it. Just do it. Places to go. People to meet. Planners to fill. Files to download. Bills to pay. Planes to catch. Closing dinners to news. Websites to serve. Kids to pick up. Stress to manage. And student tickets to pay. Man, I got stressed just reading that thing. But people, is that not our society? We are getting stressed out with all this stuff. In fact, one guy, he made this incredible comment. He said, it's significant that we call it the information age. He says, we don't call it the knowledge age. Oh no. We call it the information age. He said our society is basically motion without memory, which is one of the clinical definitions for insanity. Insanity. We have advanced beyond the wildest dreams technologically that we are still spiritually bankrupt about the meaning of life. Why? Because we're always learning. But we're never able to acknowledge the truth. And it's all because we, we've been tricked and seduced by a restless rat race society, which makes us hurry and rush here and there trying to acquire this information. And the problem with being in a hurry all the time is that you never take the time to find out what's most important in life. And you'll never find the truth. You'll never find the truth. Instead of worshiping the one true God, we bow the knee to the idol of technology. And the sad thing about this, people, is that the truth is right before us. If only we would stop long enough to listen. We don't have to travel halfway across the world 
You don't have to go to some guy in some secluded mountain. You don't even have to pay a dime. You don't even need the latest computer gizmo to understand it. Why? Because the truth about a restful life is right under our noses and has been all the time in the words of Jesus. Matthew 11, 28. He said this, Come to me. Come to me, Jesus said. All you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I, not technology, not the ability to travel and rush here and there, save yourself supposed time, not information, I, Jesus says, will give you rest. People of God, please don't be fooled in the thinking that it's by rushing here and there and by increasing your knowledge is where you're going to find rest. Because if you are, you're not only going to remain restless, but one day you might wake up and find yourself in the greatest time of unrest the world has ever known, the Great Tribulation. When? In the last days, when we will see an increase of unrest. And people believe it or not, even with all this amazing evidence pointing to the signs of Christ's soon return, people still refuse to admit the truth. And there's a certain danger. Like these people were. One day there, there was a group of uh, Florida senior citizens. I wasn't around here. It was in Florida. Is that straight? Or I didn't know. And uh, they're talking to each other about their ailments. And one person said, My arms are so weak, I can hardly hold this cup of coffee. Well, yes, I know, replied the other. My cataracts are so bad, I can't even see my tummy. And then another person with the loudest voice of the group piped in, Oh, yeah, well, it's done where I can't hear anything anymore. And the fourth person says, You think that's bad? Hey, I can't even turn my head because you're all trying someone yet. Well, that's nothing, friends another. My blood pressure pills make me dizzy. Oh, you think that's bad, said another person? Well, I can't even remember what I'm doing half the time. If I don't give myself a note, I forget what I'm doing in the first place. And then a wise person of the group stood up and said, I guess that's the price we pay for getting old. And then one cheerful woman stood up and said, Well, it's not that bad. At least we can all feel dry. Well, <laughs> oh, get off the road. That's right. It's in Florida, though. Not here. It's in Florida. <laughs> and here's the point. Those people did not want to admit the truth, did they? Oh, no, they didn't want to admit. And because of this, they were in danger, were they not? That's right. They didn't want to admit the truth. And you know what? Even this attitude, this refusal to admit the truth, the Bible says will be commonplace in the last days, just like it was with Noah. Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39 says, Jesus speaking, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, what were they doing? He said the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right on up to the time. Noah entered the boat. He said people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. He said that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. People God please hear my heart. I hope you're not one of those people who are too busy rushing here and there. You're too busy acquiring all this new information. You're too busy being restful. Partying, acting like nothing's ever going to change. Because if you want us, you might, just like the people of Noah today, wake up one day and find out you've been left behind. Left behind. And you know what? So does God. He doesn't want you left behind. He loves you and I. And because He loves you and I, He has given us the warning sign of modern technology to show us that the tribulation could be near. And that Christ's second coming is rapidly approaching. Jesus Himself said this, Luke 21, 28. He said, when these things begin to take place, when they begin to take place, stand up, lift up your head, because your redemption is drawing near. Like it or not, folks, we are headed for the final count now. And please, if you haven't already done so, give your life to Jesus today. Because tomorrow may be too late. Just like the Bible says. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi there. This is Master Billy Cohen of Arbuckle Community Church. And I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. But before you go, I'd like to ask you one more question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Well, before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life? But there's a problem. And the problem is separation. Man is on one side and God is on the other. You see, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we've sinned and we deserve death and to go to hell like the Bible talks about. And many people have tried many ways to earn their way to heaven. Some people have tried religion, but that falls short. Some people have tried good deeds, but you never know how many is enough. And some people have even tried philosophy, but that doesn't work either. And it's because we have separation with God is why each one of us, yourself included, have a hole in your heart, 
a longing for satisfaction and fulfillment in life that nothing ever seems to satisfy. Some of us try putting drugs in that hole, but it never works, does it? Or money, or relationships, and things, and power, and even pleasure. But folks, that hole that's in our heart is a God-shaped void, and only God can fill that hole. And see, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what the Bible says. How can we bridge the gap between man and God? There's only one remedy, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus died on the cross, paying the price for my sins and for your sins, and that the Bible says, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's through Jesus that we have that intimate relationship with God restored. He said that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through Him. You see, that's the good news I want to tell you. You don't have to wonder if you're going to go to heaven or hell. You can know for sure today that you're on your way to heaven and that God has forgiven you of all your sins. Well, if that's you, I'm going to say a prayer, and if that's what you'd like to do, then I just invite you to pray after me. Now, it's not important, the exact words. There's no specific formula. What's important is that you mean it from your heart. Remember, God is interrupted in a relationship not a religion. But if that's you today, just pray after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again from the grave, paying the price for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with your heart, I want to be the first one to congratulate you. Welcome to God's Forever Family. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network.